and welcome to another American Road Trip Talk, where we introduce you to the people and places behind the articles in American Road Magazine. I'm your host, Foster Brown. Nothing evokes the magic, the tainted, painted history of the showplace of the West, Las Vegas, Nevada, like the gaudy brilliance of its brash neon signs. Our summer 2013 issue was entitled Electric Avenue and dedicated to the neon signs that have pointed the way to lodging, lunch, and lots of roadside attractions. But none could quite match Las Vegas for pure size and scope of magnificent displays of gas and glass. One of our tunnel vision articles in that issue focused on the Neon Boneyard of Las Vegas, also known as the Neon Museum. In this podcast, Danielle Kelly, executive director of the museum, fills in some of the history of the display and shares her own artistic passion for preserving these unique works of art. This podcast is brought to you by Vandalia, Illinois. For more than 40 years, Vandalia has been celebrating their history with the Grand Levee on the grounds of the Vandalia State House, the oldest state capitol building in Illinois. This year, 2013, the event will be held on the last Friday and Saturday in September, September 27th and 28th. To coincide with the Grand Levee, the Vandalia Tourism Commission will be hosting their annual Harvest Festival downtown Saturday, September the 28th, with fun for every member of the family. For more information, visit VandaliaIllinois.com slash Grand Levee. In our summer edition of American Road Magazine, One of our articles had to do with uh, the bright lights of Las Vegas and how they're being kept alive in a lot of ways at a place called the Neon Museum. And with me right now is Executive Director Danielle Kelly. Hello, Danielle. Welcome to American Road Trip Talk. Hello. It's a pleasure to be with you. In the article here, we focused on the neon boneyard of Las Vegas, but I'd like to step back a little bit and find out more about the neon museum itself and and where it came from because Las Vegas, in many ways, I identify with neon and the bright lights out there in the desert. Absolutely. Well, you know, the neon boneyard and the neon museum are one and the same. The boneyard is our uh, exhibition space, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Neon Museum, our mission is to collect, uh, preserve, and restore wherever possible Las Vegas's iconic neon signage. And you hit the nail on the head, you know. Um, neon is uniquely associated with Las mm. Vegas, and there were so many innovation, innovations in the field that happened right here in Las Vegas. And it really is a, you know, it's a, it's a nighttime skyline, and it is... It is really um, visually uh, the heart of, 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 of Las Vegas. I think in many ways, especially the neon art that was in Las Vegas was kind of the height of the expression of neon art, you know, starting back when? What we said, late 40s, 50s? Yeah, well, the first neon appeared here in the early 30s. But, you know, the kinds of innovations in neon that you see in Las Vegas extend beyond um, neon as an as an art form or or encompass neon as an art form but extend to include architecture mm-hmm. obviously there's advertising there's divine design you know really again as i mentioned when you think about las vegas it is a it is a nighttime skyline and it is a neon skyline and and in many respects our signage is our architecture yes <laughs> and and that's something that we 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 address here at the museum on our tours all the ways in which the neon sign in las vegas 
innovated all of these areas where where signage was architecture as well as yeah. design yeah. as well as advertising all at one time. Daniel, what was your background that brought you to the museum? Well, you know, I uh, I'm an artist and uh, and a writer and a sculptor, uh, and so for me, for for a long time, the experience of neon was incredibly alluring, uh, but also uh, the, the space of of the neon boneyard and the experience of the signs. Uh, Physically, when you are next to them and with them, was incredibly appealing to me. But also, um, I love history, and I'm mad for preservation. And mm. all of my own interests and passions really coalesced in this project. And it's been an incre- incredible privilege to be uh, to be associated with it and be a part of it. Uh, you've got some beautiful signs that are in our magazine. Uh, La Concha was one of the ones I saw there lit up. Uh, how many of the signs that you have in the Borneo are really functioning? Well, you know, only, uh, let's see, one, two, three signs currently are restored. I'm sorry, four signs currently restored mm-hmm. in the Neon Boneyard collection that visitors walk through on a tour. But we have an extensive collection of signs that are restored placed throughout the city, most specifically on Las Vegas Boulevard as a part of the Federal Scenic Byway. Las Vegas Boulevard oh, yes. in downtown Las Vegas has been designated a Federal Scenic Byway. And we partnered with the city of Las Vegas to celebrate and and really uh, decorate that byway with neon, with the thing that makes it beautiful to drive downtown. And yeah. so we have numerous signs on the boulevard that have been restored, and more are on the way. Talk to me about the restoration process, because that actually requires some artistic skills, from what I understand. Uh, I think the term is bending glass. Uh, It's a a real art form. Absolutely. Yes, we don't... uh you know, it's it's a true collaboration. Um, you know, we as the Neon Museum, we come to the table with as much information, historic information, as as we can gather about the original look of a sign. Uh, then we need to work with a sign company who has experience with restoring a sign. Mm-hmm. We don't rebuild them. We restore them. Uh, so we need to, you know... It's, there's a lot of a Sherlock Holmesing uh, determining <laughs> the original colors of neon, oh, and yeah. original colors of the sign, and of course it requires the exceptional craftsmanship of a neon a bender to uh, to to recreate the neon that was on the sign. Now we're talking with Danielle Kelly, by the way, who is the executive director of the Neon Museum in Las Vegas. Um, is it also known as the Neon Boneyard? Is that kind of the common name of it? Most sign companies have a, a quote boneyard, and it's a place ah. where where signs were held or are held either before they're installed mm-hmm. or maybe after they come down. Many signs are leased, and so uh, you know if a company wants to upgrade signage or change signage or add the signage in some way, the boneyard is kind of a way station at a sign company. Ah. So that's where we get the name boneyard for ourselves. But we I are the see. neon boneyard. Our collection is the neon boneyard. So I we are see the neon museum and. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, in now, reference and deference to that that tradition. Yeah. Right. Now I noticed that also that part of uh, some of the architecture of your museum, it was pointed out in the article, actually comes from one of the uh, buildings, one of the casinos that was there at one point. Uh, actually, not signage to create the visitor center. The the what we have, um, and it's but it's an in- interesting that you should uh, frame it that way. 
Um, what we have as our visitor center is the former lobby of the La Concha Motel. Ah. Uh, the La Concha Motel originally sat on the south end of Las Vegas Boulevard, what is known as the Strip, famously. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the building was built in 1961. It has a kind of sweeping, googie style to it. Um, and it is essentially, it is, the, it is the La Concha of the La Concha sign that you mentioned earlier. And it is really just an exceptional uh, example example of a mid-century architecture. The building was in danger of being demolished, mm. and mm. we recognized the opportunity and the necessity to save that building and make it our visitor center. Oh, it's um, wonderful. And so we, we raised the funds to uh, relocate the building here, and we have since uh, rehabilitated it into our visitor center. And you know what, what's, what's great about it is, you know, there is an overlap where, you know, some of the more popular architecture of Las Vegas was really unique in style and design oh, and, yes. and all over the West Coast or on Route 66, freeways, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, mm-hmm. where the building sort of functioned as the sign itself. Yes. And so we have here at the Neon Museum signage that functioned as architecture, and we have a building shaped like a giant seashell that functioned as a sign. <laughs> so it's a wonderful intersect. <laughs> oh, it is a wonderful... Now tell me, uh, for folks who are interested in maybe taking a trip out there to Las Vegas, it sounds like this would be a great place to visit. Where are you located, and what are the hours for your visiting? We are located in downtown Las Vegas, just north of Fremont Street. Uh, our tours run all day long at varying times, beginning at 10 a.m., and we also offer evening tours. The best way to get information on the most up-to-date tour list is on our website at www.neomuseum.org. We use the signs to tell the story of Las Vegas. Ah. So there's a there's a, a wonderful aspect to the tour where we share some of the, you know, Las Vegas is really a city of stories, yes. and uh, and so we we tell some of those stories using the signs um, as inspiration. That's wonderful. Now, Danielle, has the the new technology? I know from interviewing some other people about neon that LED lights in many ways have kind of nudged out a lot of the neon arc, uh, artwork that's out there right now. Do you see that trend going on, or, or do you see neon still staying strong? You know, it's not as strong as it was. That is true. And the the experience of what is required to capture the attention of a viewer has changed a little bit, or people think it has. Uh, so neon is not used as much, and there is more of a kind of TV screen, a more passive mm-hmm. screen rather than the playful, humorous kind of aspect of the neon sign. However, I don't believe it will ever go away completely. And part of that, I think, is because of Las Vegas. Um, There is a nostalgia for signage that has neon on it. And there is also an association between neon and entertainment and casinos. Mm Mm -hmm. an exciting kind of experience. Yes, yes. And there's a psychology to that that I think will never go away and that will necessitate the inclusion of neon. Yeah, I I think you're right. There's there's a certain nostalgia for it. It it represents, uh, it harkens back to a certain age, but there is a great deal of warmth in it as well, I think, that sometimes missing. Yeah, I mean, there is LED that attend uh, tries to replicate neon it's fine it's just great but it's just not the same no no it doesn't have the same magic (laughs) no it doesn't (laughs) i can i can hear the artist speaking there as well (laughs) danielle kelly executive director of the neon museum in las vegas thank you so much for being with us and being part of american road as well thank you it's such a pleasure this podcast was brought to you by the illinois lincoln highway coalition 
This fall, make plans to visit the amazing corn maze tribute to the Lincoln Highway Centennial at Johnamac Orchard in Malta, Illinois, where the first seedling mile of this historic highway was laid. Test your orienteering skills and try not to get lost in the 10-acre corn maze with three miles of pathways and two bridges. The maze opens Saturday, August 31st and runs through late October. Find out more about this colossal corn curiosity by visiting johnamacorchard.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll subscribe to our regular interviews through iTunes or your favorite podcast application. Visit us at americanroadmagazine.com for more information about the magazine, trip itineraries, suggestions, fun contests, and a whole lot more. Until we meet again on the American Road, this is Foster Brown reminding you that the joy is in the journey.